Welcome to the Vision Church Podcast. We are so excited to have you with us. We hope this message will encourage and inspire you to walk out your God-given vision. Now here's today's message. Uh, I want to introduce to you our special guests this morning. You know, it's been a wonderful month. We've had uh, Nicole's dad that was able to come last week, and then we had uh, Grant Rowe, who just did an amazing job, and then my family, uh, wife and kids, uh, helped me for a couple weeks there. And so it's an honor uh, for me today. I got reconnected with Steve because uh, we reconnected on Facebook and, and remembered that we had gone to Bible school together and heard about all the wonderful things that he and his wife are doing in East Africa. So would you welcome with me this morning, Steve Wheeler. Good morning, y'all. Y'all can be seated. My wife would love to say hello, but she is tending to a sleeping baby. And you know what the scripture says, let sleeping babies lie. I think it says it somewhere in there. I don't know. But if she were able to get up here and say something to you, she would say that she's married to the most handsome man. I'll say it for her. She's married to the most handsome man. We're so glad to be here with you. Thank you, Pastor Phil and Nicole, for welcoming, me, welcoming us. We remember VBI. Oh, VBI happened about 25 years ago. For me, I had just come off of drug addiction, was just getting my right mind back, and I knew that I had uh, a calling for, I didn't know what, but I knew I had a purpose I needed help, and I knew that I couldn't help myself. And so I went to VBI, and I tell you, every time I wanted my $1,300, which is what I paid to go to Bible school, I wanted my $1,300 out of every speaker. And God did something in my life that, that I'm still living the benefits of today. So Bible school, I recommend it. It's, it is awesome. It'll change your life. Not only... Sitting in the, under the Word for four or five hours every day, but the life experiences, the things that the Holy Spirit taught me through that time was just amazing. Amen. Amen. That was kind of sorry, but that's all right. <laughs> Listen, I want to tell you just a little bit about my wife and I uh, before we share the Word. We have been married for two years. It'll be two years in October. We have one child. She just turned one in uh, July. So if you do the math, we got married and got pregnant all right away. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. That's how we rolled. And she's the most beautiful woman. I tell you, she carries herself with a poise and a dignity. And we're traveling. So we've been in the country two and a half months. We're going to be in a probably for about another two and a half months. And we stay in people homes, we stay in hotels, we, st- we're, we're, we call ourselves the bag people because we, instead of taking our suitcases out, we just take our plastic bags for clothes for the next couple of days, you know, and that's just kind of uh, how we roll, but Veronica is a wonderful woman, and she's my best friend, the love of my life, and y'all make sure to say hello to her and Grace. Grace is back there. She's waving to people already. She's going to be a good usher someday, I tell you. But we have been missionaries with Go To Nations. I've been missionary with Go To Nations since 1996. 
So it's been a, a few days. Right now we live, my wife and I live in Kenya. We just moved to Kenya. Uh, we had been living in Tanzania, which is her uh, home country. She was born and raised in Tanzania. Just moved to Kenya. Uh, actually, we don't even have our furniture yet. We have a house, and, we're, and we have the previous tenant's furniture. The previous tenant is living in our house in Tanzania with our furniture, and we're going to uh, make the switch sometime when we get back. But out, since I've been with GoTo Nations, uh, the ministry that I've been involved with, the things that we've been doing, mostly is leadership development. I spent 10 years in Thailand, Northeast or Southeast Asia, teaching in Bible schools. We have schools in Thailand, uh, Cambodia, Vietnam, Bhutan, Nepal, India, the Philippines. We've been doing Bible schools in Southeast Asia since the early, early 90s, late 80s. We have probably about 30, I want to say 30,000 graduates. That number may be off a little bit, but what we have found is that the people that have come to our Bible school, they uh, go back to their churches, back to their homes, and then they start the Bible school, their own Bible school, using our curriculum, and it has just spread and multiplied and multiplied. And what we have found is that people that have gone through the school, pastors that have gone through the school, their churches have doubled and tripled in size after they have gone back because, number one, they are prepared. They're, they have a foundation underneath them. And then the people that they send, their, lead, their leaders and their emerging leaders, they are equipped. And so the natural byproduct of that is growth. You know, your pastors can only handle so many people, but when they have assistant pastors and leaders under them that are trained and equipped in the Word, then the body can grow. Amen? So we have been doing that. Uh, since, two, uh, since 2007 is when I moved to Thailand. Been traveling all over the world. One time I went to, uh, I was in Pakistan, teaching in a Bible school in Pakistan. And you want to talk about fun. It was fun and dangerous. It was terribly dangerous. We had people with machine guns and AK-47s that followed us everywhere we went. And every time I got up to teach, the power went out. Every time. So I have hours and hours, I have 12 hours of praise and worship where I just have a little lantern in front of me, and, and you can't even see me, but it was so fun. And I was praying to the Lord one day while I was there. I said, Lord, this is so great, man. This is, man, awesome that you sent me here. And the Holy Spirit whispered to me, he said, you weren't my first choice. Oh, oh, oh. well, at least I was your second. No, you weren't even my second choice. You were my third choice. How can that? And he said, two other people I asked to go, and they told me no. I said, how can we, as a believer, as a follower of Christ, ever say no to the one who shed his blood to redeem us and make us whole and give us eternal life? So I learned a really important lesson that day that, that many people call Jesus their Savior, but few people call Jesus their Lord. When you say Jesus is Lord... Jesus is my Lord, that means you're going to go wherever he calls you to go. You're going to do whatever he calls you to do. No price is too great to pay. And so that has been, uh, that has been the, how I've kind of modeled my life. I've never went, had any preconceived ideas of what ministry would be like. Uh, 
And God has done simply amazing things. So back in 2013, our ministry has a our ministry has a ministry called Turn the Cell Phone Off. Praise the Lord. <laughs> but our ministry has a call uh, has a uh, training that we call Global Pathway Training. And what that is, it is a very practical step by step, line upon line teaching that we do to help churches implement missions into their congregations. And so in East Africa, we have found that there are a lot of strong churches. There's a lot of strong church networks, a lot of really great leaders, but there's been very little teaching on missions. And so that whole area, East Africa, is an untapped resource as far as sending out missions to reach their world for Christ. And so I was invited in 2013 to be a part of the launching of Global Pathways in Africa. We did it in Tanzania. And I actually had to look at a map to find out where Tanzania was because I'd never heard of that country. Found out where it was. We went and taught this training in an in a Assembly of God church in Arusha. And at the end of that conference, the bishop got up and says, I need to repent. We need to repent because no one has ever told us that we have a role to play in the Great Commission. No one has ever taught us that we have a role to play in the harvest. We've always thought that missions was the white man's job. And so we never thought that we could, we could have a part to play in the Great Commission. And that changed the life of that church. I tell you, that church now, uh, I met with the pastor. He said, you know, before you came to our congregation, we couldn't, we did missions, but it was very little very kind of insignificant. We did a little here, a little there. We couldn't get people to support missions with their finances. People just didn't have a clue. But when you came and you taught on missions and you told us that every person has a part to play in fulfilling the Great Commission, every one of us, we are either called to go or we are called to send. If we're, not, we're, if we're not the goers, then we're the senders. We're the ones that stay behind and sin with our finances. When you taught us that, our church got a revelation of that, and it shifted the whole makeup of the church. And he said, people began to get excited about missions. They, they began to realize that they didn't, they weren't, if they weren't called to go, that's okay, but they could have a part in the world harvest from their congregations by sending someone. And so... They got so excited, he said, we knew that we had people in our congregation that were called to be missionaries, but we could not wait to find out who they were and to train them. So we found another person from another church, and we adopted him and sent him to Burundi. And he said, we began to pray, God, what is our strategy for our church? How are we going to reach the nations for Christ? And they said, the Lord told us that if we were going to have a part to play in the harvest, we needed to train the young people. And so what, they've, what they have started doing this last year, they have an eight-week, it's a short eight-week training on missions, and then at the end of that eight weeks, they send their young people cross-culturally in Tanzania, but to a different culture, and they plant them there to start a church, start a Bible, Bible study, and uh, be actively engaged in missions. It's an awesome thing. We were there uh, one Sunday, and they were having their missions conference. And at the end of the conference, they had all of the people that they had been supporting that this this past year, all coming and giving testimonies about what 
they were able to do. And so, they, so they, their budget for the last year was 20 million shillings, uh, which was maybe about 40 or 50,000 U.S. dollars, somewhere around there. And they said they met and exceeded that budget for last year. And then this year, they're, they're doubling their missions to 40 million. And, and are, they're reaching out. And it's just, it's awesome to see what is going on in the nations, in the world, with people in a church of, you know, 10, 100, 1,000 people. The principles of the Great Commission are still, they're, they're still the same. It doesn't matter what size congregation that you have. You can reach the world from Christ right here where you are today. And so that's uh, a little bit about my, what my wife and I do. We feel called to East Africa. So we're, uh, right now we just moved to Kenya. Uh, we've been in, we were in Uganda. We did a global pathway conference in Uganda and we have lots of invitations for uh, conferences this next year. So that's one of the tar target countries for us in the next year or two. So we wanna saturate that country. And then we wanna get into Burundi and into Rwanda. We really feel like that God is calling us and positioning us to be uh, kind of like a, a catalyst to help start mission movements that are self-replicating, self-funded by the local church that will reach the world for Christ. Amen. And we can do it. Amen. Amen. So that's just a brief, uh, brief uh, snippet of what we're doing. And I would like to invite you. We're going to be hanging out for lunch today. So if you want to come and get to know us a little more, ask any questions, we'd be honored to talk to you. So I want to talk to you for just a few minutes today. How many of you feel like you're in transition? I see you want to. Okay, okay, yeah. So my wife and I, we are in transition. So I thought I'd minister to myself today. And you, you get to kind of sit in on on how the Lord's going to minister to us today. I want to talk to you about transitioning to the next level. You know, we're all called as Christians. You know, the Bible says that we go from faith to faith, from strength to strength, from glory to glory. So we should always be going forward in our faith. We should always be going forward in our walk with Christ. Amen? And so uh, we have found ourselves in a time of transition and I want to uh, just talk to you very briefly about some points and some strategies on how we, can, uh, how we can transition to the next level. Joshua, chapter 1, and we're going to read the first 11 verses. Joshua, chapter 1, verse 1 through 11. And it says, After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant. He said, Moses, my servant is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land I'm giving them. I promise you what I promised Moses. Wherever you set your foot, you will be on land I have given you, from the Negev wilderness in the south to the Lebanon mountains in the north, from the Euphrates River in the east to the Mediterranean Sea in the west, including all of the land of the Hittites. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live, for I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. But be strong and be courageous, verse 6, for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors I would give them. 
Verse 7, be strong and be very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. Verse 9, this is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Verse 10, Joshua then commanded the officers of Israel, go through the camp and tell the people to get their provision ready, provisions ready. For in three days you will cross the Jordan River and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you. Yeah, so Moses is dead. Joshua, the number two guy, his, the assistant, God is raising him up to be, elite, to be the leader to go in and uh, conquer and take possession of the promised land. And there are some points and principles that we see. The first thing that we have to realize that when we are in transition, we have to transition into what God is doing right now. So many of us are caught up, our, our past keep us uh, bound into moving forward in God. And I want to encourage you, this is a beautiful facility. God has really blessed you, and it is, it is nice and wonderful what God is doing, but don't settle here because your better days are ahead of you. God has something in store for you that is much greater than we have here. And if you are not careful, you'll get stuck here. You'll think, oh, this is so nice, so, so nice. And when God wants to move you to the next level, you have to be willing to let what you have right now go. Amen. So we have to look, what is God wanting to do with us right now? What is God doing in our lives right now? We have to let go of the past, the negative things, and even the good things. God has done many wonderful things, but we can't live on what God did yesterday because God is doing something today. Amen. We woke up this morning. God was doing something today. Praise God. Greatest days are ahead of you. And so we don't want to get stuck in old ways of thinking, in old ways of how God used to move in the past. I tell you, that's a vision killer. That's a dream killer. You know, God has called us to dream and have vision that is bigger than ourselves. So number two, going to the next level it involves the promises of God. So God spoke to Joshua, and there was a promise of possession that God gave to Joshua. And he said, every, uh, every step, every place that you've, you place your foot, I have already given it to you. And so there is a promise of possession when we go to the next level, when we are transitioning to the next level. Every promise requires faith to possess. Every promise requires faith to possess. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes my prayers have been this way. Now, let me just, uh, oh, God, please, please, God, please do this for me. Have you ever been prayed like that? And when that didn't work, you maybe you tried a little bit of crying. Oh, please, 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 please. Yeah. And then negotiation. How many of you ever tried to negotiate with God? Please, God, if you just give me this, I promise I'll read my Bible. 
I have one honest person, praise the Lord. Well, that's how I was praying. That's how my prayers were. And God was not answering my prayers. And finally, I said, God, what's your problem? How many of you have ever asked God what his problem was? Well, he doesn't have any problems. Amen. And so he, so God showed me something that changed the way I pray. He said, number one, he said, you are a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. And you're coming to me operating out of the principles of the kingdom of the world. Yeah. So God is not, God is not moved by our tears. He's not moved by our negotiation tactics. And so God began to really tell me, he said, you know, in the kingdom that you live in, there is a currency. And with that currency, you, you can use to buy things. So right now, we are in the kingdom of the United States. The kingdom of the United States has currency. If I want to go to the, to the store, buy a bottle of water, this is the currency of the kingdom that I am in. When we are in Kenya, that kingdom has currency. Now, sometimes you can take U.S. currency to buy something in Kenya, but most of the time, currency is what you need to purchase something. Well, the kingdom of God is the same way. There is currency in the kingdom of heaven by which we receive from God, and that currency is faith. We receive salvation by grace through faith. Everything, every benefit and every provision of the cross that we receive and appropriate into our lives, we receive it by faith. And so faith is the currency of heaven. And so God was telling me, hey, stop operating in the wrong, you're operating in the wrong kingdom. So God showed me, he says, there are two things that I will honor. I will honor faith and I will honor my word. Yeah. Bible even says he's placed his word even above his name. So God will honor faith and God will honor his word. So faith is the currency of heaven. And so Joshua needed to believe that God had given him that which he had not possessed. See, God didn't give the promise to Joshua. He gave the promise generations before Joshua was ever born. But he was going to receive the promise, he was going to receive the inheritance. He was going to go and take possession. And so he had to believe that God had given him what he had not possessed. Transitioning to the next level happens one step at a time. God was going to give Joshua as much as he had stepped out in faith to possess. Even though the land was already given, it wasn't, it wasn't uh, the transference wasn't happening until Joshua began to move and began to step and walk throughout the land. I want to tell you today, as a church and as individuals, God will give you as much as you step out in faith to possess. God honors faith, and God honors his word. It is by faith and patience that we inherit the promises of God. Amen? And so there was a promise of possession. Promises require a process. So Joshua was going to receive the promise. He was going to transition by faith one step at a time. And so we have to understand that we walk into the next level one step at a time. And we enter into the next level by faith. By faith. Yeah. Oh, praise God. So many times, God already sees you at the next level. He, you know, he's blessed you guys with this church now, but he's already sees you 
at the next place. He already sees you owning your own land. He already sees you building your own building. He already, it's, it's already happening. So many times I talk to God about where I am at right now. God, why am I here? Well, he'll talk to me about where he wants to take me. Yeah, he'll talk to me about the future. And so next level living involves the promises of God. We transition by faith one step at a time. And God sees you already at the next level. That's point number two. Point number three. Next level living involves the principles of God's word. God told Joshua, only be strong and courageous that you may observe to do all according all to the law of Moses commanded. So there were the principles of God's word. You know, the, the wonderful thing about the Bible, there are promises and then there are principles. Promises are wonderful. Therefore, our edification, they make us feel good. They build us up. But the, promise, but the, but the principles are for our instruction. They tell us how we should live. Amen. Oh, we love, oh, if, we, if any man sin, if we are faithful and we confess our sins, Jesus will cleanse us. Oh, we love that promise. Yeah, oh, it feels good. But when Jesus said, forgive those who despitefully use you, well, we are not too fond of that. You don't know what they did. Yeah, so transitioning involves the promises of God, but it also involves the principles of God's word. We have to follow the principles of God's word. So God gives Joshua some basic, basic principles. Number one, be strong and courageous in following the word. Number two, we have to do the word. James says if we hear the word only and we don't do it, then we're deceived. So we have to be doers of the word. We have to apply it to our lives and walk it out. And then keep the word at the forefront of your decision-making process. Make your decisions based on the word of God. Point number four, and uh, we'll be finishing up shortly. Next level, living, transitioning to the next level involves the presence of God. Joshua didn't have Moses, but he had the Lord. He had, he had the promise that God was going to go with him wherever he went. And the last point, I want to talk about this. Transitioning to the next level is all about the purpose of God. It's all about the purpose of God. What God is doing in your life right now, it's not about you, but it's about people. It is about his purpose being birthed and lived in you. And so you going to the next level, you transitioning, your act and life and steps of faith are impacting somebody else. It's always about people. And as we close, I just want to share a story with you about my, about my life. I was the first one in my family to be born again. I have two older brothers, a mom and a dad. I live with my dad, my brother, a pit bull, five pit bull puppies, a cat, and six kittens in a motel room. That's where, that's where we live. I left home. When I left home, I swore I will never go back to my dad's. I, will, I just cut off all relationship with him. Then I found myself in Bible school. God had gotten a hold of my life. And in Bible school, I started doing a ministry. Our, our uh, pastor, Billy Joe, he did a pr apartment crusades every week and went and bought food and handed out food to, to people, whoever wanted it. 
And so, you know, I incorporated, I did the, I had the bread for the nations is what I called it. And I began sending newsletters out. And I thought, I'm just going to send him, put my dad on my mailing list. I hadn't seen him, hadn't talked to him. Well, then I moved to the Philippines and I came back one time and my dad wanted to go and hear me preach. So I picked him up one time, took him to a church. I gave the altar call and I was zeroing in on my dad. If you want to receive Jesus as your Lord, you just pray this prayer after me. And, and I wasn't sure if I saw my dad pray or not, but I gave him like 16 chances. It was just awesome. So we're driving home and it is silent. No one's talking. I pull up to his hotel room and he looked at me and said, I think you're doing what you're supposed to be doing with your life. I said, well, why do you say that? And he said, because I can feel it when you talk. And then he got out and slammed the door and walked into the hotel room. He was recognizing the anointing. A couple months later, I'm back in the Philippines. I got a letter from my dad. My dad has ever, on, ever only written me one letter, and I still have today. That was part this He brought me up on the family, what was happening in the family. And he said, I'm so happy that you found what you're supposed to do in, li in life. And then he closed it with these words, I love you, Dad. That's the only evidence that I have ever had of my dad ever saying I love you was in that letter. Now, that's not counting in times when my dad came home stinking drunk. Oh, I love you. I love you. Well, he, you know, when you're drunk, you love everything. But my dad wrote, I love you. And then I got a call 10 days after I got that letter that my dad died. I was in the Philippines. So I went home because I'm the preacher of the family. I got to do the burial. And uh, my brother and I, we're at my dad's hotel room. He lived in a hotel room for 20, over 20 years, the last 20 years of his life, the 10 by 10 foot room. And in that hotel room, my dad had a drawer, a nightstand with a drawer that he kept everything that was important to him was in this little drawer. Uh, driver's license, papers, keys, money, anything that was important that went into his drawer. So cleaning out his room and I opened up that drawer and I'm stunned because in that drawer was every newsletter that I had ever written, ever sent out. It was stuffed in that drawer. I turned it upside down. You, it wouldn't even fall out. He saved every one of them. Yeah, I was blown away. My older brother was a drug addict living out in the mountains in Southern California. I hadn't, after my dad's funeral, by that time I was living in Nevada, I hadn't seen or heard from him for two years. And then he called me one night out of the blue. He said, I need to get free from drugs. Can I live, come and live with you? And I said, no, you can't come and live with me, but I know someone that can help you. And I led my brother to the Lord that night at the telephone. And he said, I want what you have. I would read every single newsletter that you, that you sent home. I would read them again and again and again. And I want what you have. Someone once said, preach the gospel and use words if necessary. Yeah, I never preached a message to my dad other than that one time that he came to hear me preach. I never preached anything. I just lived my life. And I let my life be an example. 
See, your steps of faith are going to impact, are impacting someone else's life. People are watching you. They're watching you every day. And your steps of faith, your obedience to God is impacting someone else's life. And so transitioning to the next level, it's not about you. It's never about you. But it's about the purpose of God. And God's purpose is that he would use you for his glory to reach people for Christ. Amen. So as I close, uh, I just want to invite Pastor Phil to come up or Pastor Nicole to come and end the service and pray for you as they, as they feel. Thank you so much for listening and God bless you. Thanks so much for listening. If you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so at visionnwa.com forward slash give. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast available on iTunes and SoundCloud. Vision Church, vision for life.